This is Sam Pierce, and you are listening to The Football Pod, conveniently found at thefootballpod.com. It's Monday, November 20th, 2017, Thanksgiving week here in the United States. I think Canada already had theirs, but it's Thanksgiving week in the U.S., and we have a ton to talk about tonight. I know a lot of you guys are traveling this week, so hopefully we can give you a good podcast to take with you on your drive or flight. Or maybe you're just sick of seeing your family, and you can take us in the other room with you on your phone and listen to us as you pick football games, because who doesn't want to hear that, right, Kim Maley? Right. Okay. So it was a relatively uneventful college football Saturday, but that changes this coming weekend because we've got rivalry week coming up. So we'll talk about those games and how they impact the college football playoff rankings. In the NFL, we did get a bunch of crazy finishes to games yesterday, but I'm not sure we learned a whole lot. Um, we do know in the NFL, though, this time of year is when contenders separate from pretenders. So we'll get into all of that tonight. But first, my co-host, Kimberly Ann Maley, is going to tell us where we're recording tonight. Thanks, Sam. We're recording, as usual, from Studio A at Syracuse Technologies. It's snowy outside in upstate New York tonight, but we're warm. We're well prepared inside our podcast tonight at Syracuse Technologies Studio, where we're recording on awesome equipment and producing our podcast for our cloud-based website, which, by the way, I hope you guys were on thefootballpod.com this Saturday following my college football picks. I went 10-4 and against the spread in my college picks. Sam, I'm really starting to hit my stride on picking college football this year, just in time for Rivalry Week and Championship Saturday, right? Kim, you are 19-10-1 against the spread the past couple weeks, so I would agree you are on a roll. I am. So everyone check out our picks on the website each and every week. And if you're running a business and you need a cloud-based website, call Syracuse Technologies. Let them do the work for you. They'll get you the domain you need, they'll host the site in the cloud, and they'll manage the content to make it look just like you want it. So give them a call today or just head over to their website. QSTech.com. That's QSTech.com. Syracuse Technologies is a certified Microsoft partner, so if you're interested in finally moving your business to the cloud with Office 365, talk to Syracuse Technologies today. Sam, on to football, and I'm not happy with you. Uh-oh. I think you jinxed the Packers last week, and you got my hopes up, and I talked myself into Brett Hundley error, and now this. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty ugly for Green Bay yesterday. Uh, I felt bad for uh, for you and really for Packers fans everywhere. At this point, I think it may be best for Aaron Rodgers to just worry about getting an entire offseason of rehab done and come back ready for 2018 because Minnesota can't be caught in the division and there are at least four teams ahead of the Packers in the wild card race, pending what happens tonight with the Falcons and the Seahawks. So we may not talk much Green Bay tonight, but we have a lot to talk about elsewhere, which is probably a good thing because I need to take my mind off of the game from yesterday. Okay, understandable. So before we forget, should we talk about the first game of the weekend for a few minutes? Yes. Thursday night football always seems like a long time ago by the time we get to Monday night, but let's start there. Here's what I want to know from you, Sam. 
The Steelers beat the Titans 40 to 17, and I don't think the game was even that close. It felt like Pittsburgh was really in control the entire time. So here's what I want to know. Did we learn more about Pittsburgh or Tennessee? Oh, um, that's a good question to get us started. Uh, I, I'll say we learned more about Tennessee. Um, I'll be the first to say I thought they'd play better, a lot better in that game. I didn't think they'd necessarily win in Pittsburgh, but I thought they'd play a lot better than that. I didn't see Marcus Mariota throwing four picks, for example. Um, but at, you know, as we were picking the games for the website last week and I dug into that game, I found that the Titans had won four in a row but it was against the Colts, Browns, Ravens, and Bengals, who had a combined record of 10 and 27 going into the weekend. Ooh. Yeah, so I got researching that kind of based on your stat last week that you, you talked about the Titans actually having a negative point differential despite their winning record. And But I stubbornly stuck with Tennessee to cover, and you took Pittsburgh, so you made the right call there. Um, but back to answering your question, I say we learned more about Tennessee they confirmed for us that even though they may be a playoff team this year, they are not going to be an upper echelon team. And the AFC is weak outside of a couple teams, but Tennessee just isn't close to being competitive with, with either one of them, which is you know Pittsburgh and New England. Um, Pittsburgh, I think we knew all along the Steelers were capable of game like this. So if you're a Steelers fan, you're happy, but you've been expecting this. Yeah, you wrote about the defense on the website last week. The Steelers are second in the NFL in scoring defense. They're also second in the league in total defense. But then Thursday night, we finally saw the offense play that well, too. Yeah. I mean, Big Ben threw for 300 yards, four touchdowns. So if you doubted that he still had it in him, he showed us that he's still capable of those games. Yeah. Um, we had Le'Veon Bell. He didn't run for 100 yards, but he did have over 100 yards from scrimmage which that's what really matters for him, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. They just need to make sure he's getting all of the touches, whether it's on the ground or the short passing game, you know, whichever one. Exactly. So he had over 20 touches for over 100 yards. So still a productive game for him. And then what they did really well was they got, you know, their other superstar, Antonio Brown, going with 10 catches for well over 100 yards and got the other receivers involved. Five different receivers totaled 30 receptions. Yeah, yeah, they, they did. It was it was mostly Brown and Bell, um, but yeah, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Martavis Bryant, um, they got catches too. Jesse James, the tight end, caught a touchdown. So some balance on offense. I hope the Steelers are past some of the drama that we saw from the receivers early in the season about who, who gets – what balls when um if you if you go out and you beat down another division leader like that it really shouldn't matter who gets how many catches or, or touches or whatever because the score is all that matters if you're going to compete with new england and right now i think they're the closest pit i'm talking about pittsburgh i think they're the closest they've been in several years because the defense is playing so well so the offense just needs to be efficient other than Le'Veon bell touching the ball 20 times or more hopefully and ben being able to to connect on some big throws when they need them it shouldn't matter who's filling the stat sheet, and that was, you know, troublesome earlier this year when they had some internal drama on that. Um, I know Bryant and Smith Schuster are both really talented and would rather get the Antonio Brown like stats, but if they cannot worry about that and just worry about executing and winning, then the Steelers are in a really good spot. And that all of that being said, uh, Mike Tomlin I think still has to manage all of those egos and get the best out of these guys all season. Mm -hmm. And and Tomlin's done a really nice job these last couple of years with that. Um, 
if you're in the AFC and your coach isn't named Belichick, it's hard to do much better than Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the Patriots, they won big this weekend too, really big. They beat the Raiders 33-8. to The game was in Mexico City, and it was never close. Nope. We know how great Tom Brady is, but let's talk about Brandon Cooks for a second. The, okay. the Patriots made the trade with the Saints in the offseason to bring Cooks to New England, and yesterday he had a couple big plays, and for the game he had six catches for 149 yards and a touchdown. So a big game for him. But listen to this stat. 42 total targets from Brady in the last five games. So now that Cook has spent half a season in New England, do the Patriots have a new go-to receiver? Uh, I don't know if I'd say go-to um, because I don't know that the Patriots have any consistent go-to weapons other than Brady, obviously, every week. But I think you make a great point that Cooks has been there for half a season, and now we're seeing the effects. For people that don't know, Cooks came over in the draft in the trade from New Orleans, and he was a first-round draft pick there back in 2014. And he put up big numbers with Drew Brees. So it makes sense that with several months with Brady now, we're going to see big plays from him. Gronkowski's still a really good player, but maybe not exactly the same player he was a few years ago. So bringing in Cooks was a great move. Amendola had a great game yesterday, too. Eight catches on nine targets. His are more underneath routes, obviously. But having Cooks as a deep threat helps open that up. And Cooks looked really, really good against, granted, the Raiders secondary is bad, but... Uh, the New England offense is is really moving, and the defense isn't Pittsburgh's or Carolina's or even Jacksonville's, but it seems to get a little better every week. Gronkowski is actually a pretty good um, actor, I guess I want to say. Have you seen him in the new uh, commercial for uh, detergent? Oh, I don't know. He's dressed as a girl with uh, pink tails, okay. pink tail braids. Uh, no? I don't know if I've seen that one. Maybe. I'll t- I'll take your might be transitioning over. I don't who knows. Um, Do you want to hear how good New England's defense has been? Uh, Sure. Okay. Well, the Patriots have won six games in a row over that stretch. No one has scored 20 points against them. On average, they've only given up 12 and a half points per game over the win streak. Okay. So they're giving up less than two touchdowns a game and no one scored three. Mm hmm. And I always like when you can point to either the mean or the median number and make a case. Okay. And that's what it sounds like with New England right now, that over the win, the winning streak that, um, you know, starting to look a lot like last year with them. As the offense gets better, so does the defense because there's so little stress on the defense. Right. The Patriots got up 24-0 to zero by halftime yesterday. Every defense should play better if you know your offense can score 24 and a half. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's talk about the loser in that game for a second. The Raiders never stood a chance, and now they're 4-6 and six on the season. This is a tough question, but what's the single biggest problem with the Raiders this year? Uh, oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, all right, direct answer to your question, it's the defense. They weren't good last year. They're worse this year. They're overwhelmed by any competent offense, and then they get up against you know someone like New England, and they're, they're totally screwed. They give up big plays even to mediocre offenses. So the defense is the biggest problem, but I think the more indirect way to answer your question is by looking at the offense since there's such a clear drop-off in production from a year ago. Jack Del Rio, Raiders head coach, decided not to bring back his offensive coordinator, Bill Musgrave, 
he promoted the quarterbacks coach Todd Downing to that position, and this is all in the off season, and then they've really struggled this year. Doesn't mean Downing won't eventually be a good coordinator, but they've had a difficult time adjusting this year. And the Raiders are sort of the opposite of the Patriots. We just talked about how the New England defense gets better as the offense does. Mm-hmm. Well, the Raiders defense isn't worse necessarily, but certainly more exposed as the Raiders offense sputters, which it is right now. And that's the biggest difference from last year. So maybe the the single biggest problem within the context of what they have on the roster right now. Okay, let's talk about another disappointing AFC West team. Okay. The Chiefs lost to the Giants. The New York Giants are objectively a bad football team. I'm sorry to say that True. to you as a fan. The week prior to playing the Chiefs, Chiefs, they lost to the previously winless 49ers. Correct. The week before, they got absolutely pasted by the LA Rams, 51 yep. to 17. Yep. That one was bad. Okay, they're missing almost their entire wide receiver group, and their running game is poor. Eli Manning is really not what he's ever been in my eyes as a distant fan. He's, he's struggled. <laughs> he's struggling, to say the least. Um, their offensive line is certainly a joke, and their defense can't seem to stop anyone. Not this year. Well, so, until yesterday. So they're they're a bad team this season. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, writers have been saying for the past week that the Chiefs, you know, are going to really blow them out of the water in this, well, in this game. Well, it's a double-digit spread, so yeah. Um. So on top of the Giants being this bad football team this season, we have um, the Chiefs coming off of a bye week. Yep. They had time to get healthy. They had time to game plan. We all know that Andy Reid is, you know, his – Like a million wins. A million to two after bye weeks. And while they still had some injuries to deal with, the offensive line was as healthy as it's been all season for the Kansas City Chiefs, yet they lost. Yeah. So my question to you, Sam, is what team did we learn more about, um, the Chiefs or the Giants yesterday? Oh, this one's easy, the Chiefs. Um, that was not a good win for New York. They were still terrible all day. Uh, winning that game does nothing for them other than hurt their draft stock next year. But, um, but the Chiefs were a double-digit favorite. They're a better roster than the Giants, but you talked about Andy Reid. The Chiefs have a, are, are a better coaching staff. They had no business losing that game and, and looking that bad. So uh, so as far as who did we learn more about, the Giants are still a bad team, but we learned that maybe the Chiefs are in that Titans category. Mm-hmm. Of they'll end up in the playoffs, but they're not as good as people hoped. They might be a pretender. Yes. Okay, so Alex Smith had two bad interceptions, no touchdowns, and looked off all day. Was it a bad idea for the media to call him the MVP back in September? Uh, to his, in his defense, tough, windy weather day um, at Giant Stadium yesterday, so so that sucks for him. But um, but it's also November, and the weather changes, and he has to have good games despite that so yeah I agree with you I think that's safe to say um but we do that every year um Matt Ryan to his credit had a really great season all year last year Mm -hmm. Alex Smith was really great for almost half a season this year 
But these guys aren't MVPs. Not when we have Brady or Aaron Rodgers, or I'd even argue like someone like Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh. It's a long season. There was definitely too much Alex Smith coronation early this year. It's not all on him, and it's not just yesterday. The Chiefs have, have lost four or five, and it's been a mix of opponents. So losing to Pittsburgh in a tough, close game, okay. Losing to Dallas when the Cowboys were at full strength, okay, not the end of the world. But losing to the Giants, who had one win all year, and they have zero wet You pointed out with the receivers gone. They have zero weapons on offense right now. The Chiefs had to score 10 points in regulation to beat the Giants yesterday and couldn't get it done. Mm-hmm. So earlier you asked what we learned about Tennessee, and you know, like a, it's a lot of the same lessons now maybe with Kansas City. It's really hard to say the Chiefs have any business playing with New England in January, and it's just it's idiotic that there was all of this. Well, Alex Smith is the MVP of the league. We The MVP is not named in September, and uh, I get that it gives everyone something to talk about, but uh, no. He's, he's not <laughs> going to be the MVP, and yes, to answer your question, bad idea to, to bring that up three weeks into the season. Okay, fine. But does anyone even want to win the AFC West? I mean, the Chargers were the only team that actually won a game in that division yesterday. Yeah, so it's interesting. The Chiefs started 5-0. and The Chargers started 0-4. There is no way the Chargers should be within striking distance, but they are. The Bills are always a good confidence builder for anyone, so the Chargers look great running up 54 points mm-hmm. yesterday. You pointed out weeks ago that let's you know, slow down on the Bills to the playoffs talk. Um, so the Chargers have won four out of their last six, and the two losses were a one-possession game at Foxborough, okay, and then the overtime loss at Jacksonville. That one was not as good. But the Chargers are at least winning you know, most of these games that they should win over the last six weeks. Can't say the same about the Chiefs right now. I think it still has to be the Chiefs that eventually win that division because the Chargers are 4-16 and 16 because they lose games that 4-16s and 16s lose. So it's hard to say the Chargers are going to do like a, a Green Bay last year and run the table. So probably still the Chiefs, but you're right. No one seems to want to win the AFC West that bad. And it's interesting because you talked about we probably shouldn't be um, – awarding the MVP in September Mm -hmm. and I'm guilty of saying you know we shouldn't we probably shouldn't say that the AFC West is the best division in football in September because that hasn't really played out that way well I think the good news for Kansas City is the schedule down the stretch is easier than the SECs the week before rivalry week Um, the Chiefs get each of their divisional opponents one more time plus they get the Bills the Jets and the Dolphins so these are six very winnable games if they can get things together. Yeah. So um, we've mostly been on this messy AFC um, talk. So let's spend a few minutes on the NFC. Okay. The biggest game in the conference was LA and Minnesota. Is that what you call a statement win for the Vikings? Actually, yeah. Um, we talked about how stupid it is to, you know, things, you know, crowning MVPs in September, but I guess I'd say, um, you know, on the flip side, big wins in November and December do matter, and that was huge for the Vikings. I wrote on the website that I really like the defense in that, you know, in an offense-defensive matchup. That's why I went with the Vikings for my pick, and I think that played out because the Vikings' defense kept them in this stalemate all day, and then eventually being at home, Vikings' offense makes some plays, and we saw how good Philly was last night. So whichever team won sort of keeps pace and that's minnesota only a game back of the eagles now um at eight and two you know i i never thought that the vikings could be eight and two at this point in the season oh, and, <laughs> and no. you, you mentioned the vikings offense are you ready for another interesting stat oh 
Yeah, you, you've got good stats today. Well, like you said, we're at a point in the season where, I mean, you've had enough evidence to start making a case at who's really had a good year. True. So let's talk about Vikings receiver Adam Thielen. He had six catches for 123 yards and one touchdown. Mm-hmm. His 65-yard catch-and-run touchdown in the fourth quarter really broke the game open for the Vikings. So here's my stat. For the year, he has 916 yards receiving in just 10 games so far. He's the only player in Vikings history to do better and to get over 1,000 yards receiving in 10 games um, is Randy Moss. Is Randy Moss the only one? He's the only other one. Yep, that's done better. So Moss did that in 2000 and in 2003. So this is a pretty good year so far for Adam Thielen, don't you think? That's a okay. So he has 916 yards, and then the the mm-hmm. only time that a Vikings receiver has done better is Randy Moss got over a thousand. Right, he did that twice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that puts it in perspective. Wow, that I knew Thielen was having a really good year, um, and he and he was really good yesterday. And like you said, that the the catch and run touchdown was huge. But that is uh that's a good stat. So, you know, the Vikings have they quietly have players Thielen uh Stefan Diggs Latavius Murray who with Murray maybe the Raiders wish they had held on to these guys are all making plays and they lost Alvin Cook to injury so for these other guys to step up and play this well is a big deal and the the biggest one of all is Case Keenum the the backup quarterback I think Keenum has to to be they have to take the backup label off of him and he has to be their quarterback now right I mean, I, I wish this was a conversation that we were talking about Green Bay. I okay. mean, being so well as a backup quarterback, but that's not the case. Yeah. Um, you know, the Vikings have won six in a row, and yes, their defense is their strength, but Keenum has been good. He threw four touchdowns in the win over Washington last week, and yesterday he threw almost 300 yards, and he didn't turn the ball over, which was key if, yeah. you're, if you're counting on your defense to win games for you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I know they love Teddy Bridgewater, and I like Bridgewater a lot, ever, really going back to ever in college when he was at Louisville, really. But Keenum's playing so well, I don't think they can make that. They just don't – there's not a reason to make that change right now. It would be very silly for them to do that. Agreed. Um, so I'm going to rattle off the other NFC wins from yesterday, and you tell me if we learned anything. Are you ready? Ooh, ready. Okay. Okay. Lions did just enough to win in Chicago. Did we learn anything? Not really. Just that the Lions can beat bad teams and it keeps them in the <laughs> NFC wildcard race. Saints had to go to overtime to beat the Redskins. You predicted that to be a close game and told people to take Washington to cover. Did we learn anything? Yes. We learned that the Saints can go old school Saints with Drew Brees when they need to. Saints were down big in this game. They had to score 18 points in the fourth quarter and score on their last two possessions. Drew Brees, really impressive. He went 11 for 11 on those two, those last two touchdown drives through, through both touchdowns for them to score. The Skins still had a chance to get into field goal position and win, but they screwed it up, and then the Saints made them pay in overtime when they ran the ball so well. So a few things we can take away that we learned, actually. Like I said, Drew Brees can bail them out when he needs to, and the Saints need that from him. They will need that from him a couple times this year if they're going to get back to the Super Bowl. Second, you get into overtime game like yesterday, and overtime can kind of have the same feel of urgency as a playoff game, and the Saints running with both backs, they they will make you pay. Um, the, the fact that they can run that that way and play that way in, uh, in a game that's close and it's the fourth quarter or overtime. Um, and then number three, the Saints can have a bad day and still find a way to win. 
and that's what happened yesterday because they they were not good but in the fourth quarter or overtime they got it done and that's huge so the first three things we learned are all great uh, but we also learned that the defense is still susceptible to bad games they gave up 456 yards to the skins yesterday that's not good and they had a few bad injuries including marshawn Lattimore leaving the game so we'll need to follow his injury updates this week and see how he is. The Saints can't afford to be without their best defenders when we get to the playoffs. Okay, that's a lot about the Saints. It was. Maybe I'll root for the Saints this year if Green Bay's not going to the playoffs, or is that too bandwagonish? You know, Saints have been so bad for so long. I think it's fine if you want to see them win this year. It's better than being a bandwagon Cowboys fan, right? That's right. Um, Philly won big last night in Dallas. Uh, did we learn anything from that game? Yeah, okay, so I've been waiting to get to this one. We learned a lot about, I think, about both coaching staffs. So neither team looked great in the first half. Dallas goes into halftime with a 9-7 lead, actually. So if you're Dallas last night, going into halftime with a lead after an ugly first half, that's fine. You, you've sort of shut down Philly's offense for a half. Your defense is playing okay. Your offense isn't great, but you've scored enough to have a lead. From, from Philly's perspective, not so good. You're the better team when Dallas has, you know, when Dallas has Elliott and other key players out, you're definitely the better team. But the Philly staff makes adjustments and comes out with two quick touchdown drives in the third quarter, and that game was over. Dallas, though, was still inept on offense. So, you know, one team, Philly makes adjustments, scores points, turns it into a blowout. That's the biggest takeaway for me. Philly can have a bad half and still go out and win an important game in the second half. Coaching staffs can make adjustments at the half and win games, and the ones that can do that tend to go a lot further than the ones that can't, like Dallas. Really? That's how you feel? Yeah. Yeah, of course. What kind of question is that? Well, I'm just surprised because your Wisconsin Badgers are a second-half team. They have good coaches that make adjustments at halftime, and they win games in second halves. So like this weekend – um, yet you never pick them to cover like I do. Touche. We'll <laughs> Very good. Um, we'll talk more college football at the end of the show. Okay, we will for sure. Um, you can't get off the hook that easily, but let's do early NFL picks right now. Are you ready? Of course. I love picks. Me too. So let's get started. It's Thanksgiving, so we have a few Thursday games, which, by the way, we need to end the show by saying what we're thankful for tonight. So don't forget... I, I won't. We do that every year. Um, so tell me about the Thursday games. Okay. Detroit hosts Minnesota in the early game on Thanksgiving. So the game's in Detroit, but Minnesota is an early one-point favorite. Who do you like? Oh, tough one. Um, Minnesota has overachieved this year. Detroit's right where they should be. It's basically a pick em line. I, I would go Minnesota. See, I'm thinking Detroit, and I would hope that Detroit would win. So that way, I mean – chances no you need um no green bay fans should be i disagree green Bay because minnesota is a definite because they're such a definite so you would want detroit to lose as many games as possible if somehow green bay hangs around you don't want detroit in the mix all right i i see i see your point because green bay is not going to come back and win the division yeah you're right you're right you know that you're not catching minnesota but a wild card spot you need teams like detroit and let's see who else would, would green teams like I mean, Washington's not going, but Washington, Detroit, you know, the teams that are kind of hanging around 500-type-ish record like Green Bay. What's those Seattle's are, record right now? Ooh, good point. So Seattle, 6-3, and three, but they play tonight. Yeah. Because we record on Mondays. Um, 
Seattle and LA, you just root for them both to lose if you're a Packers fan. Okay. Um, so that the winner, well, Seattle, you especially want to lose because, oh, but they're playing Atlanta. They oh, are. So that's a tough call. Yeah. The, the only, the good thing about C- Seattle is if you're a Green Bay fan and if somehow Green Bay gets back into it, and let's say LA wins the West mm-hmm. and Green Bay and Seattle both are sitting there at nine and seven for the sixth seed, mm-hmm. Green Bay would have the head to head. Because okay. of week one, right? Thanks to Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, how you but how you root in that game isn't necessarily what okay. I want happen. the Lions to lose, but deep down, I'm upset that Minnesota is going to win the NFC North. Yeah, and I think they'll win on on Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving as well. So okay, we'll see. All right, the late afternoon Cowboys game. By the way, have you checked on Rick? I did. Um, first thing this morning, actually. Um, he wrote that nice uh, pick for the website where he said that he'd be up till 12.30 a.m. on a Sunday night because of the Cowboys game and that they, I think his words were that they would crush his soul and he'd be up till midnight for it. Um, he's not leaving the country this time, so that's good, but he also wasn't really feeling like coming on the show to discuss the mess in Dallas, which I, you know, I told him if okay. he needed to come vent on the air tonight, he could. Understandable. But, yeah. I-, I can definitely relate, Rick. So the Cowboys are going to host the Chargers on Thursday. Mm-hmm. This is a pick em game, so who do you pick? Well, first, can I tell you what I'm most excited about for this game? Mm, only, it, it, only if you're quick. Okay. So the cow, I will be. So the Cowboys host an AFC team. So that means this is a CBS game. So we get Jim Nance and Tony Romo. That is so much better than listening to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman lament the fate of the 2017 Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And since Dallas sucks at this point, it would just turn into Joe asking Troy to recount the greatness of the 90s Cowboys on Thanksgiving. It would be really nauseating, and most of America doesn't care. Um <laughs> I've even had some Cowboys fans recently tell me they're a little sick of Aikman's whining all the time. And Tony Romo's experience with the with the team is less than a year old. So the the thing, okay, the Cowboys are always interesting. People love or hate them, so, mm-hmm. but they're always fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. I just would rather hear Romo have that discussion with his familiarity with the roster and the team and mm-hmm. what they're going through. Um, I, I'd just rather hear the CBS team than the the Fox team. I like Fox Sports most of the time, but the Fox, the lead Fox Sports team, it's just, like I said, gotten nauseating yeah. with um, Aikman. So yeah. anyway, I just wanted to get that. Well, out. I feel like Aikman is more full of himself than, I mean, well, that's, other that's the thing. So former since, quarterbacks. Since, and since the Cowboys suck this year, it would just, and Joe, and uh, like Aikman loves himself and Joe Buck loves Aikman. Mm-hmm. And since the Cowboys suck this year, it would just turn into a discussion of, well, too bad it's not like 1995. Yeah. Yeah. So. Those are some very good points. And, you know, Green Bay fans definitely don't need to hear about the Cowboys' 90s glory years either. Yeah. So. Oh, good point. Yeah. So back to my question. It's a pick game. Who do you pick? Oh, yeah. Uh, Chargers. Easy pick. <laughs> Thanks for the quickness in that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, Thursday night, this is an example of NFL football overload, by the way. Agreed. <laughs> I don't think America really needs to see the two and eight Giants go to the four and six Redskins. But yeah. if you want to keep this game interesting, it's Redskins minus eight and a half points. Who do you have? Okay, I'm going to refrain from my weekly Giants rant. You kind of did some of it for me earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just say eight and a half is a lot on a short week with two bad teams. Skins, the Skins are are better, and they should win the game by eight and a half. Eight and a half is a lot, but I I would kind of without a doubt say 
Redskins based on that horrible. And the Giants kind of maybe had like their games. one good game. Yeah. I mean, last weekend it was, or yesterday, I mean, and it wasn't even that good. But. It, it wasn't because Eli Manning, I think, didn't even make like 50% of his no. Oh, tar- no. targets. No. Yeah. yeah correct. <laughs> They're, yeah, they, won, they won just a, a terrible, <laughs> ugly game. Um, they're so frustrating. But eight and a half is a lot. Yes, I agree with you on that. Well, we've got another big line on Sunday in the Battle of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Cleveland at Cincinnati. Bengals are favored by 10. I'll take the points here. In real life, I would stay away. I would never walk into like the Mandalay Bay sports book and try to pick <laughs> this game. Um, I do think it's an interesting one for people playing in, say, survivor pools. Because if you've lasted this long, you probably haven't used the Bengals. Because you can only, you know, traditional survivor pools, you can only use each team once. So maybe this is your chance to use Cincinnati um, since they just have to win for you. But going against the spread, I would take the Browns getting all those points. Okay. The big spreads don't end here. So how about Chicago at Philly? Eagles by four and a half. Fourteen and a half, I'm sorry. Uh, Ouch. Fourteen and a half is a lot. Um, But we talked about Philly... We talked about um, just a few minutes ago in that Dallas game how Philly makes adjustments now, and they've got a run game all of a sudden with about four different running backs. You know, they brought Ajayi in, but it was the, the other guys, the couple of the other guys that scored the touchdowns last night. Um, I think Chicago will have a hard time scoring on Philly because mm-hmm. Philly defense is so good too. Mm-hmm. Um, if Dallas only got nine last night at home, um, uh, gosh, four, 14 and a half is so many points. Okay, so here's what I'd do. I'd go Chicago because I'm a sucker for the half. So I'd go Chicago. Then I'd hope it comes down later in the week and try to take Philly at like 13 and a half mm-hmm. and try for some for, for some middling. Okay. I'd play for both. Um, Sam, you, you, really, you really need to pick a side and you need to stick with it. I didn't really <laughs> pick one side there, huh? Um, so you should have learned your lesson with that by now if um, – you know the middling the middling was easy everyone would do it good point you generally lose when you try to hit it both ways so you should be more dedicated to either one team or another and um is this how you were with dating Hmm. were were you one of those obnoxious guys that would play for a few girls at the same time kim i would never i would i I would never you better be telling me the truth okay considering who your wife is True. And don't make me book your ex-girlfriends as guests on the Ooh, show. That would that would not. All right, that would not. I'm very dedicated would, to Claire. That, that would not be nice. And you're supposed to be keeping us on track with our picks, so we should probably move on. Okay. Strange how sometimes you're not into story time, but fine. So <laughs> let's move on. Buffalo at Kansas City. Neither. I've never been more excited to talk about the Bills game. Uh, b- bring back the Bills minute here. Neither yep. team was impressive yesterday, but the Chiefs are favored by 10.5 at home. Sounds like a terrible game, um, but a chance for the Chiefs to get things right. Buffalo's run defense has been so bad. So I like the Chiefs to kind of rededicate themselves to a lot of Kareem Hunt and, and a big win. Not so much because of my faith in the Chiefs, just because the, the Bills are – are a disaster now with the quarterback change mm-hmm. and it everything we talked about last week that they made this quarterback change and then what happens if that quarterback Peterman stinks and he threw five picks in the first half so then they've got to bring Tyrod Taylor back into the game but they benched it it never works and now the Bills are I think are gonna kind of spiral up out of control here. you know um it made me think yesterday watching um the Bills game 
they have a new coach. Yeah. New head coach. Yep. Is it, uh, could they end up being like the Giants at the end of the season where we're going to see some coaching changes? No. No, absolutely okay. not. First year coach. Um, first year coach, he's done a pretty good job with what they have because they've unloaded a lot. You know, they traded Sammy Watkins to LA. They traded Darius to Jacksonville. So they've unloaded a lot of their talent. Mm-hmm. So I think no one expected much of them this year. Then they get off to the five and two start, and then people like me are saying they're going to go to the playoffs. So I think we thought they were better than they were a month and a half in, and now they've come back to what they are. Mm-hmm. But I think ownership and management knows that, and they've set themselves up with all the, the with these trades for now the extra draft picks next year. I think two first rounds, two second rounds. So I think they like their coach. I don't think they had expectations. I think fans and people that jumped on the bandwagon had expectations about this year, but I think realistically they knew they weren't competing for the playoffs, certainly not for a deep playoff run this year. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, you're right. I disagree with the move to bench Taylor because I I just think it wasn't well thought out or what you know, I, I just I don't think it was a good move, but I don't think it's a coaching change after one year. Okay. So we have another gigantic line. Okay. Um, these are like college football lines this week. Yeah, yeah, lots of double-digit spreads. <laughs> yeah. Um, Miami's getting 17.5 points at New England. That is a college football line, 17.5. Um, all right, so that's another what you'd call stay-away game, and I hate saying that because I don't want to give cop-out answers, but 17.5 in an NFL game is almost unheard of. Yeah. That's probably the, that's, that's probably the biggest one this year. Um, I guess take the points in divisional rivalry game. I guess. Okay. And now, won't Miami play New England one other time this season? Have they not played twice yet? Uh, they, I can't I remember. Know. Okay, I'm looking it up. Nope, this is the first one. Then they play again in a few weeks in Miami on Monday Night Football. But for this one, I say 17 and a half, too many points. So I guess I'll go Dolphins. All right. Yeah, another double-digit spread. Tampa Bay getting 10 points at Atlanta. That one's interesting because Atlanta still has to play Monday Night Football tonight in Seattle. So unless you love that line and think it may be moved based on what the Falcons do tonight, that's one that I'd probably wait on. Because if Atlanta goes to Seattle and wins, then maybe it goes up if you like Tampa. If they look awful, which I don't think they will based on Seattle's injury situation, then maybe it comes back down um, if you like Atlanta. So it's really too early, but I'd take Tampa getting 10 if I had to choose. Okay. I might disagree with you on that one. Okay. That's good. Um, We have Carolina is a four and a half point favorite over the Jets. This game is at New Giants Stadium in New Jersey. Yeah. uh, If the game was at Carolina, it'd be a lot bigger. I like Carolina. I actually love their defense. I've written about them a couple times on the website this year. Um, And their offense is getting better. But can they be a near-touchdown favorite on the road? I say yes, go with Carolina, but I'm tentative to say the least. Okay. Um, Tennessee, four-and-a-half-point favorite at Indy. So this needs to be a bounce-back game for the Titans, right? Yeah, and I think it will. I, I think we know that Tennessee beats bad teams and loses to good teams. So let's go Titans here, but oh, damn. 
don't be surprised if the Titans have to come back to win like a 20 to 17 type of game and don't cover. Mm-hmm. Now keep in mind, Tennessee is three, six and one against the spread this year, which is not good. No. And Indy is four and six against the spread. So maybe a little bit better. So the Colts may lose a lot of games, but not always as badly as you'd expect. Yeah, those are okay. So those are good spread stats. Tennessee three, six and one against the spread. That you're right. That's bad. Um, all right, it's early in the week. I don't usually know all these until I post the picks on Wednesday night. So, well, girls are better planners, and we know things in advance. Okay, you changed my mind. Colts to cover up. <laughs> all right, <laughs> so we've got another home underdog. The Cardinals are getting four and a half points at home against Jacksonville. Yeah, I think I like Jacksonville here. The Jags avoided a, a trap letdown type of game in Cincinnati or in Cleveland. I'm sorry, last week and covered. They're a game up on Tennessee, and thanks to Kansas City losing, they're actually the number three seed in the AFC right now, like if the playoffs started today. So I like them to take care of business against a bad Cardinals team, and defense travels, Kim. It does. Uh, That's why you should have more faith in the Badgers. Ugh, again? (laughs) Okay. So Denver used to play good defense. Maybe they will in Oakland this weekend, but for now the Raiders are a five-point favorite who do you like in this matchup of underachievers? Oh, tough call. I guess I say Denver. I don't trust either team, so I take the points when you have two bad teams and it's that big of a spread. I just I can't picture the Raiders beating anyone by five points, so I'll go Denver. Okay. Maybe the game of the week is next Sunday. The Saints, they're getting a two and a half points at Los Angeles. This is a really big game in the NFC. Yeah, and – I'll take L.A. here if it's less than a field goal. Saints have been on a great run. Uh, The Rams lost in Minneapolis and looked a little overwhelmed in the second half yesterday. So I think with the way the Saints' defense – but, okay. The Saints' defense gave up almost 500 yards, though. So this is is kind of the perfect – I'm looking at some stats right now. This is kind of the perfect matchup for the Rams to get back on track. Um, So I say take it while you can because a field goal covers – but you are 100% correct. That could end up kind of being the, the game of the day. Um, I'm pretty sad about this next one. Okay. Sunday night football was supposed to be a huge game and a Super Bowl 45 rematch. Mm. Green Bay at Pittsburgh. The Steelers are already a 14.5 point favorite. What do you think? And please be nice. Mm. Okay, I'm saying this nicely. I'd actually take Pittsburgh to cover. I know it's a huge number, but the Steelers' defense is a lot better than the Ravens, who, who Green Bay just had trouble with. I think Green Bay will have a really hard time moving the ball and sustaining drives uh, in this game. So I like it as a big Steelers win. But I'm sad, too, that we don't get Rodgers versus Roethlisberger here. Mm-hmm. This would have been one of the more fun and anticipated games this year with those two teams, those quarterbacks, those fan bases. Sunday night football, so I do feel your pain. It sucks to not get that game. All right. Thank you for being nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Monday night football isn't very interesting next week. We have Houston getting eight points at Baltimore. Yeah, another tough spread because the Ravens should win that game. I just never trust them as favorites, so I'd probably take the points. But faith in the Texans right now is risky too. It's it's a really difficult um, week of games. I, I guess I guess Texans plus eight, but that's tough. It is a difficult week to pick games. Um, Luckily, it's Thanksgiving, though, so you can spend lots of time with your family and not be so concerned about football. 
although that may be harder for you than most people because we have the biggest college football weekend of the year coming up. Good good transition. Um, yeah, I can't wait. So most of you listening probably watch a lot more NFL than college, but with it being a holiday weekend and maybe you're traveling home on Sunday, but but by Saturday you're sort of sick of all the festivities, so just sneak away to a room with a TV where nobody else is hanging out or find a reason to go to a sports bar, whatever you have to do. And we're going to tell you what you need to keep an eye on. So, Kim, are you ready for this segment? I sure am. I'm hitting 65% on my college mm. football picks the last couple of weeks. So, yes, I am ready. Okay, good. So, guys, you go to thefootballpod.com and get Kim's excellent picks all weekend. Um, and then here's what you need to watch. So, Thursday night, if the Giants game is as awful to watch as yesterday's clunker, then you can tune into the Egg Bowl. Kim, the Egg Bowl is Mississippi <laughs> and Mississippi State every year. Um, it's on Thanksgiving night a lot, a lot of the time. Not always, but recently, kind of a newer tradition. Not a hugely consequential game, but it's a rivalry game with a couple good college quarterbacks, so I think it'll be entertaining um, nonetheless. Then Friday morning, Kim, I love the Friday morning of Thanksgiving weekend because you had fun on Thanksgiving, you ate and drank a lot, and then you wake up and you still have a whole three-day weekend left and lots of football. Mm-hmm including this year, Miami, the Hurricanes. You take Miami to win a lot. I do. You you definitely like Miami. Um, So the Hurricanes are ranked number three in the college football playoff rankings. That's as of tonight, Monday. We don't know if that'll get uh, shook up at all tomorrow. But as of right now, number three, going to Pittsburgh. Now, Pitt's not very good this year, but Miami got a scare from Virginia last weekend. Um, Now they have to leave South Florida and play in who knows what kind of November weather in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So... You know, so that's one to, to keep an eye on. And clarify for these casual college football fans, this is a must-win game for Miami, right? That's essentially correct. So cra- crazy stuff could happen, and other top-ranked teams could lose, and they could hang around the top of the rankings. But you're right, because they can't approach it that way. They, they have to approach it as a playoff game. If they lose, they would almost certainly drop out of the top four, and that could be disastrous. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they need to win this game, and that urgency makes it worth watching. And Pitt has the chance to salvage an otherwise poor season by winning this game. A few weeks ago, we had Kevin in with us doing our big college football show, and you asked us about the 2007 comparisons. So, Kim, that was a really good call because if Pitt wins this game, they could knock Miami out of the playoff just like they did to West Virginia 10 years ago in that crazy 2007 season. So there you wow. go. Good call. That was 10 years ago. It that was. makes me seem old. Uh, yeah, I, I remember being at a at a party that night of, of the uh, Pitt-West Virginia game, and it was a lot of fun, and everybody kind of gravitated to the TV to see what was going on. It was, it was awesome. Um, okay, so also on Friday, Friday afternoon, South Florida at Central Florida. This is the biggest game in the history of this relatively new rivalry. South Florida's 9-1, and one, Central Florida's 10-0. and 0. Mm. Yep, so winner takes their division in the AAC conference and moves on to championship Saturday the following weekend. Central Florida is playing for even more than that, though. They need to stay unbeaten. They're the only group of five team not to lose a game yet this year. So we're down to the power five teams are uh, Alabama, Miami, Wisconsin. Those are the only three that haven't lost a game. Group of five, the only one is Central Florida. Mm-hmm. So they can land themselves in a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, those are the really good ones. And that's huge for the teams from the smaller conferences. Um, plus, both coaches in this game are potentially playing for big-time job offers from bigger schools that will make coaching changes in the offseason. 
So let's say you're a Nebraska fan or Florida, one of these schools that would be hiring a new coach. You want to check out this game because Scott Frost, the UCF coach, hot name in the, in the coaching hire discussion and just a, a lot going on here. Okay. Let's say South Florida wins. Uh-huh. And oh, okay. If South Florida wins. If right. South Florida wins, they're 10-1 and one, and Central Florida's 10-1. and one. So then South Florida has the tiebreaker. They win that division. They go on to the conference championship. In okay. Conference. Okay. Okay. So that's a couple Friday games to keep an eye on. Um, what about Saturday? Um, I mean, we've got the biggest Saturday of the year, don't we? That's right. And it's really saying something when you think about what a fun season we've had in college football. So without spending too much time on each game, because there are so many that really have an impact on the playoff picture, here's what you absolutely positively must uh, must look out for on Saturday. Okay, let me let me um, start taking some notes yeah, here about this. Yeah, you take notes because, you, because um, you need to know these things, <laughs> like everyone. All right, noon game. Number seven, Georgia, at Georgia Tech. So Georgia lost a couple weeks ago to Auburn, but the Bulldogs are still right in the playoff mix if they can win here because then they get Auburn potentially in a rematch in the SEC championship game or they get Alabama. But they can't go into that game with two losses. They have to win in Atlanta on Saturday uh, against Georgia Tech, but it's a rivalry game. It's at their rivals' home field, and we've seen crazy things happen in this game. So stay tuned, Georgia. Noon game, Georgia at Georgia Tech, must-win game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely cannot lose game for Georgia. So. Okay. All right, also at noon, so get ready for some channel flipping. Number nine, Ohio State at number 24, Michigan. Kim, you, you called that Michigan would not cover against Wisconsin last week, so good job. Um, Thanks. So Ohio State's on the outside looking in right now, but along with Auburn, I'd say Ohio State's really the only other two-loss team in the country that still has a shot because they can win out, win the Big Ten, make their case if some other things sort of go right. But first, they have to win at Michigan this weekend. And Kim, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, they need this game almost as bad as Ohio State because he can get everyone to shut the hell up with all this Harbaugh's overrated talk if they beat Ohio State, something Michigan hasn't done yet in Harbaugh's time in Ann Arbor. Last year, Ohio State won a close game in Columbus, and it was uh, it was a really fun game to watch. I don't think Michigan has the offense to stick with Ohio State here, especially since Michigan's a really overrated home field advantage, in my opinion. So I think Ohio State's safe here. But again, rivalry Saturday, mm-hmm. probably the biggest, most hyped rivalry in college football, Ohio State-Michigan. So, you know, so we'll see. That's a noon game. That's going to be hard for me to fit my nap in. Well, if it's, if it's boring, um, take your nap during that game because when we get to the 3.30 games, you want to be watching. Okay. All right, so here we go. You've been giving me a hard time about Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Well, they have one more regular season game that they have to win. It's at Minnesota in their border rivalry playing for Paul Bunyan's axe. (laughs) Um, Wisconsin hasn't lost this game since 2003. They've won 13 in a row, and Minnesota's not very good this year. So Wisconsin's going to be a huge favorite. I think I saw like 17 points already. Um, But it's a rivalry game on the road. And again, you've got a situation where Minnesota needs to win to get themselves bowl eligible. So they're pl- and they hate Wisconsin. So they're playing for a lot too. And what better way for them to cap off their season by ruining Wisconsin's? So Wisconsin had the big emotional win over Michigan. So now are they ripe for a letdown here? Um, we'll find out. Wisconsin's had a really good season, but they don't have the strength of schedule to take a loss and still stay in the college football playoff picture. So absolutely, without a doubt, must-win game for Wisconsin, and it's on the road. 
So um, Wisconsin is a huge favorite, yeah. and Minnesota's not very good this year. I know the spread is pretty big. Does this mean you possibly could be taking Wisconsin to cover? I will take Minnesota, and I'll <laughs> gladly um, have Wisconsin prove me wrong. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, you know, it. That re- really, though, that's a good question, um, and we'll pick that game on the website this week, and I'll write about it, but... Um, Wisconsin should crush Minnesota in this game, um, but it's rivalry. It's the rivalry, mm-hmm. week and weird stuff happens. And the thing that scares me the most when you—and now I'm talking as a Wisconsin alumni and fan—but whenever you have one team that's beaten the other team X number of years in a row and it keeps growing, so it's 13 years in a row, it's not going to be a hundred. At some point, the other team's going to win. Right. It doesn't last forever. And wouldn't that be just if you're a Wisconsin fan, awful. <laughs> if it just happens to be this year, Wisconsin ranked number five in the in the college football playoff rankings, um, and just needs to win out, which is really difficult because they're going to have a, a tough Ohio State game in the Big Ten title game. But um, gosh, that would suck if they if they go into the Big Ten championship already having lost and not really playing to get into the playoff yeah. anyway. So uh, so I'm nervous as heck. All right, um, must-win game for Wisconsin on the road, but that's in the 3.30 time slot. Most eyes at 3.30 on Saturday will be down south. It is the Iron Bowl. Alabama has to go play at Auburn, and it has the makings of you know what could be the game of the year in college football. I don't know if it'll ever top the 2013 kick six game, but could be the game of the year. So if you do nothing else football-related this weekend, watch this game. I'm talking NFL, college, whatever. Just watch this one because these teams are playing for the SEC West division title. That's the best division in college football over the past decade. The winner goes to Atlanta to play Georgia in the SEC title game, and that has the potential to be a play-in game for the college football playoff. Um, But neither team can get there unless they win Saturday. So the Iron Bowl between number one Alabama and number six Auburn, it's at number six Auburn, and it's really everything bragging rights in the SEC, bragging rights in the state of Alabama, uh, and so much more with the playoffs on the line. And when that game kicks off, the emotion in that stadium, in that game, you just won't see a better atmosphere in football all of this year, including playoffs. That It is a playoff game, essentially, and it's, it's going to be awesome. So, um, so that's Alabama-Auburn. And then if you still want more football that night, at 7.30, number two Clemson at South Carolina. Kim, we saw Clemson lose right here to Syracuse earlier this year. So their mulligan is up. They cannot lose a second game this year, but they have to escape the regular season by winning at their in-state rival. It's a huge game in in the state of South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina is really capable of keeping this close, especially at home. So it's going to be fun to see Clemson have to go play this game under these circumstances. The last couple of years, it's been kind of a cakewalk for them. Mm -hmm. It will not be this year. South Carolina is going to play them tough. They have the home field advantage. And... uh, and that should be interesting. Is South Carolina ranked? They're not. They're kind of like a fringe. Well, you know what? We have to see. Uh, we have to see what the rankings come out with tomorrow night. If they were ranked as like number twenty-five in the country, that wouldn't be a surprise. They've they've had a good season. Okay. Um, it, but again, it's it's like that Wisconsin Minnesota game. Minnesota's not ranked, but we we don't know if that'll mean anything. Um, a few weeks ago, Ohio State went to Iowa. And Iowa was completely unranked, 
and put up 55 on Ohio State and just ran them, just ran roughshod over them. So mm-hmm. um, these rivalry games, it just that doesn't always matter. Um, the Alabama Auburn one, number one against number six, and they're both in Alabama, and it, that's going to be awesome. But um, this Clemson South Carolina one, it's just I I think it's going to be fun to see Clemson in a you know it's a must win. They yeah. cannot screw up that right. game. And they're number two, so I mean, and they're pres- two pressure's and, on. And and it's a for people that aren't in South Carolina, it is a heated heated rivalry. That mm-hmm. is a that's a big time game. So mm-hmm. so Kim, there you have it, your high level guide to rivalry week in college football. Very good, Sam. You stayed remarkably on point there. Well, it's the biggest weekend of the year, so no time for screwing around. And I'm thankful as can be for this weekend of football. But let's be more serious than that for a few minutes. What are you thankful for this holiday season? Oh, boy. Well, even though it's a rough season, um, you know, for Green Bay, okay, I am thankful that I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan. Wow. Yeah. Shots fired. So um, how about you, Sam? Kim, I think you have, you know, you probably have other things to be thankful for, but I'll, <laughs> I'll take a turn at this. Um, I'm thankful for you because you've become the greatest host in the Aww. history of the podcast. You're always keeping us on track, and we do much better when we have you in here hosting and asking the questions and running the show as compared to, like, me or Jeff or basically anyone that's been on because, you know, you're very, as you pointed out, you're very organized and we're not. And if not for you, we wouldn't have these smooth and uh, <laughs> and trouble-free episodes. Don't make me get teary-eyed, Sam. <laughs> so, okay. So that's, so that's, so I'm thankful for that. Okay. Well, I'm, thank you. And I'm thankful for all of our guests that we've had on the podcast this year. We've had so many good ones. Um, Most of them are helping out and contributing on the website as well. And we couldn't do everything we've done without them. So thank you. That's great. Yeah, we've we've had really we've had really good people in here and they're picking the games and we just it's so much fun because we've kind of built our little football pod community. And and yeah, we couldn't do it without all the people coming and contributing. Um, And we're especially most of all thankful for everyone that listens to the show and reads the website because if you guys weren't doing that um we wouldn't be here right we wouldn't um and we're thankful for everyone's nice feedback so hopefully you guys and gals have noticed that when you send us questions or comments we try to incorporate that into the show so thank you for that nice feedback yeah we're, we're obviously thankful for everyone um most and and, you know very importantly um we're we're thankful for our family and friends very cliche i know and i make jokes about how you can listen to the podcast or um watch football if you're sick of your family but i don't actually mean that most of the time (laughs) so you should all hopefully be with your family this time of year and or your friends or both and watch football together because thank god it's football season and happy thanksgiving everyone happy thanksgiving okay so happy thanksgiving um We will talk to you guys next week. Say bye, Kim. Bye now. All right. Talk to you guys later.